Day six, the tenth story of the Decameron. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please go to LibriVox.org. Reading by Andy Minter. The Decameron by Giovanni Boccaccio. Translated by J. M. Rigg. Day six, the tenth story. Fra Cipolo promises to show certain country folk a feather of the angel Gabriel, in lieu of which he finds coals, which he avers to be those with which St. Lawrence was roasted. All the company, save Dioneo, being delivered of their several stories, he wist that it was his turn to speak. Wherefore, without awaiting any very express command, he enjoined silence on those that were commanding Guido's Pithic whip, and thus began. Sweet my ladies, albeit tis my privilege to speak of what likes me most, I purpose not to-day to deviate from that theme whereon you have all discoursed most appositely. But, following in your footsteps, I am minded to show you, with what adroitness and readiness of resource, one of the friars of St. Anthony avoided a pickle that two young men had in readiness for him. Nor, if in order to do the story full justice, I be somewhat prolix of speech, should it be burdensome to you, if you will but glance at the sun, which is yet in mid-heaven. Gertaldo, as perchance you may have heard, is a town of Valdeza within our countryside, which, small though it is, had in it aforetime people of rank and wealth. Thither, for that there he found good pasture, t'was long the want of one of the friars of St. Anthony to resort once every year, to collect the alms that fools gave him. Friar Cipolla, so hight the friar, met with a hearty welcome, no less perchance by reason of his name, than for other cause, the onions produced in that district being famous throughout Tuscany. He was little of person, red-haired, jolly-visaged, and the very best of good fellows and therewithal, though learning he had none, he was so excellent and ready a speaker, that whoso knew him not would not only have esteemed him a great rhetorician, but would have pronounced him Tully himself, or perchance Quintilian. And in all the countryside there was scarce a soul to whom he was not either gossip, or friend, or lover. Being thus wont from time to time to visit Gertaldo, the friar came there once upon a time in the month of August, and on a Sunday morning, all the good folk of the neighbouring farms being come to mass in the parish church, he took occasion to come forward and say, "'Ladies and gentlemen, you what is your custom to send year by year to the poor of Baron Master St. Anthony somewhat of your wheat and oats, more or less according to the ability and devoutness of each, that blessed St. Anthony may save your oxen and asses and pigs and sheep from harm? And you are also accustomed—' and especially those whose names are on the books of our confraternity, to pay your trifling annual dues, to collect which offerings I am hither sent by my superior, to wit, Master Abbot, wherefore, with the blessing of God, after known, when you hear the bells ring, you will come out of the church to the place where, in the usual way, I shall deliver you my sermon, and you will kiss the cross. And therewithal, knowing as I do that you are one and all most devoted to Baron Master St. Anthony, I will, by way of especial grace, show you a most holy and goodly relic, which I brought myself from the Holy Land overseas, which is none other than one of the feathers of the angel Gabriel. 
which he left behind him in the room of the Virgin Mary, when he came to make her the Annunciation in Nazareth. And having said thus much, he ceased, and went on with the Mass. Now, among the many that were in the church, while Fra Cipolla made this speech, were two very wily young wags, the one Giovanni del Bragioniera by name, and the other Biagio Pizzini, who, although they were on the best of terms with Fra Cipolla and much in his company, had a sly laugh together over the relic, and resolved to make game of him and his feather. So, having learnt that Fra Cipolla was to breakfast that morning in the town with one of his friends, as soon as they knew that he was at table, down they hide them into the street, and to the inn where the friar lodged, having complotted that Biagio should keep the friar's servant in play, while Giovanni made search among the friar's goods and chattels for this feather, whatever it might be, to carry it off, that they might see how the friar would afterwards explain the matter to the people. Now, Fra Cipolla had for servant one Guccio, whom some called by way of addition Balena, others Imbrata, others again Porco, and who was such a rascalian that sure it is that Lipotopo himself never painted his like. Concerning whom, Fra Cipolla would oft-times make merry with his familiars, saying, My servant has nine qualities, any one of which in Solomon, Aristotle, or Seneca would have been enough to spoil all their virtue, wisdom, and holiness. Consider, then, what sort of man he must be that has these nine qualities, and yet never a mark of either virtue, or wisdom, or holiness. And being asked upon divers occasions what these nine qualities might be, he strung them together in rhyme, and answered, I will tell you, lazy, uncleanly, and a liar he is, negligent, disobedient, and foul-mouthed, I wis, and reckless, and witless, and mannerless. And therewithal he has some other petty vices, which were best to pass over. And the most amusing thing about him is that wherever he goes he is for taking a wife and renting a house, and on the strength of a big, black, greasy beard he deems himself so very handsome a fellow, and seductive, that he takes all the women that see him to be in love with him, and if he were left alone he would slip his girdle and run after them all. True it is that he is of great use to me, for that be any minded to speak with me never so secretly, he must still have his share of the audience, and if perchance aught is demanded of me, such is his fear, lest I should be at a loss what answer to make, that he presently replies, I or no, as he deems meet. Now, when he left this knave at the inn, Fra Cipolla had strictly enjoined him on no account to suffer any one to touch aught of his, and least of all his wallet, because it contained the holy things. But Guccio Imbrata, who was fonder of the kitchen than any nightingale of the green boughs, and most particular if he espied there a maid, and in the host's kitchen had caught sight of a coarse, fat woman, short and misshapen, with a pair of breasts that showed as two buckets of muck, and a face that might have belonged to one of the baronci, all reeking with sweat and grease and smoke, left Fra Cipolla's room, and all his things to take care of themselves, and like a vulture swooping down upon the carrion, was in the kitchen in a trice, where, though it was August, he sat him down by the fire, and fell a-gossiping with Nutta, such was the maid's name, and told her that he was a gentleman by procuration, and had more florins than could be reckoned, besides those that he had to give away, which were rather more than less, and that he could do and say such things as never were or might be seen or heard for ever, Lord and a day, 
and all heedless of his cowl, which had as much grease upon it as would have furnished forth the cauldron of Alta Pascio, and of his rent and patched doublet, inlaid with filth about the neck and under the armpits, and so stained that it showed hues more various than did ever silk from Tartary or the Indies, and of his shoes that were all to pieces, and of his hose that were all in tatters, he told her, in a tone that would have become Sieur de Chatillon, that he was minded to rehabit her, and put her in trim, and raise her from her abject condition, and place her where, though she would not have much to call her own, at any rate she would have hope of better things, and with much more to the like effect, which professions, though made with every appearance of good will, proved, like most of his schemes, insubstantial as air, and came to nothing. Finding Guccio Porco thus occupied with Nutta, the two young men gleefully accounted their work half done, and non gainsaying them, entered Fra Cipolla's room, which was open, and lit at once upon the wallet, in which was the feather. The wallet opened, they found, wrapped up in many folds of taffeta, a little casket, on opening which they discovered one of the tail-feathers of a parrot, which they deemed must be that which the friar had promised to show the good folk of Certaldo and in sooth he might well have so imposed upon them, for in those days the luxuries of Egypt had scarce been introduced into Tuscany, though they have since been brought over in prodigious abundance, to the grave hurt of all Italy. And though some conversance with them there was, yet in those parts folk knew next to nothing of them, but adhering to the honest, simple ways of their forefathers, had not seen, nay, for the most part, had not so much as heard tell of a parrot. So the young men— having found the feather, took it out with great glee, and looking around for something to replace it, they espied in a corner of the room some pieces of coal, wherewith they filled the casket, which they then closed, and having set the room in order, exactly as they had found it, they quitted it unperceived, and hied them merrily off with the feather, and posted themselves where they might hear what Fra Cipolla would say when he found the coals in its stead. Mass said, the simple folk that were in the church went home, with the tidings that the feather of the angel Gabriel was to be seen after known. And this good man telling his neighbour, and that good wife her gossip, by the time every one had breakfasted, the town could scarce hold the multitude of men and women that flocked thither all agog to see this feather. Fra Cipolla, having made a hearty breakfast, and had a little nap, got up shortly after known, and marking the great concourse of country folk that were come to see the feather, sent word to Guccio Imbrata to go up there with the bells, and bring him the wallet. Guccio, though it was with difficulty that he tore himself away from the kitchen and Nutta, hied him up with the things required, and though when he got up he was winded, for he was corpulent with drinking naught but water, he did Fra Cipolla's bidding by going to the church door and ringing the bells amain. When all the people were gathered about the door, Fra Cipolla, all unwitting that aught of his was missing, began his sermon, and after much said, in glorification of himself, caused the confiator to be recited with great solemnity, and two torches to be lit by way of preliminary to the showing of the feather of the angel Gabriel. He then bared his head, carefully unfolded the taffeta, and took out the casket, which, after a few prefatory words in praise and laudation of the angel Gabriel and his relic, he opened. When he saw that it contained naught but coals, he did not suspect Guccio Balena of playing the trick, for he knew that he was not clever enough. Nor did he curse him that his carelessness had allowed another to play it, 
but he only imprecated himself that he had committed his things to the keeping of one whom he knew to be negligent and disobedient, reckless and witless. Nevertheless, he changed not colour, but with face and hands upturned to heaven, he said, in a voice that all might hear, O God, blessed be thy might for ever and ever. Then, closing the casket and turning to the people, Ladies and gentlemen, he said, you are to know that when I was yet a very young man, I was sent by my superior into those parts where the sun rises, and I was expressly bidden to search until I should find the privileges of porcelana, which, though they cost nothing to seal, are of much more use to others than to us. On which errand I set forth, taking my departure from Venice, and traversing the Borgo di Greci, and thence on horseback the realm of the Algarve, and so by Baldaccia I came to Parione, whence, somewhat athirst, I after a while got on to Sardinia. But wherefore go I about to enumerate all the lands in which I pursued my quest? Having passed the straits of San Giorgio, I arrived at Trufia and Buffia, countries thickly populated and with great nations, whence I pursued my journey to Menzogna, where I met with many of our own brethren, and of other religious not a few, intent, one and all, on eschewing hardship for the love of God, making little account of others' toil, so that they might ensue their own advantage, and paying in naught but unminted coin throughout the length and breadth of the country. And so I came to the land of the Abruzzi, where the men and women go in patterns on the mountains, and clothe the hogs with their own entrails, and a little further on I found folk that carried bread in staves and wine in sacks, and leaving them I arrived at the mountains of the Bacci, where all the waters run downwards. In short, I penetrated so far that I came at last to India Pastinaccia, where I swear to you by the habit that I wear that I saw pruning-hooks fly, a thing that none would believe that had not seen it. Whereof be my witness that I lie not, Maso de Saggio, that great merchant, whom I found there cracking nuts and selling the shells by retail. However, not being able to find that whereof I was in quest, because from thence one must travel by water, I turned back, and so came at length to the Holy Land, where in summer cold bread costs four deniers, and hot bread is to be had for nothing. And there... I found the venerable father, non mi blasmets se voi piace, the most worshipful patriarch of Jerusalem, who, out of respect for the habit that I have ever worn, to wit, that of Baron Master St. Anthony, was pleased to let me see all the holy relics that he had by him, which were so many, that were I to enumerate them all, I should not come to the end of them in some miles. However, not to disappoint you, I will tell you a few of them. In the first place, then, he showed me the finger of the Holy Spirit, as whole and entire as it ever was, and the tuft of the seraph that appeared to St. Francis, and one of the nails of the cherubim, and one of the ribs of the verbum cario, hide to the casement, and some of the vestments of the holy Catholic faith, and some of the rays of the star that appeared to the magi in the east, and a file of the sweat of St. Michael, a battling with the devil, and the jaws of death of St. Lazarus, and other relics. And of all that I gave him a liberal supply of the acclivities of Monte Morello in the Vulgar, and some chapters of the Cabrezio, of which he had long been in quest, 
he was pleased to let me participate in his holy relics, and gave me one of the teeth of the holy cross, and in a small file a bit of the sound of the bells of Solomon's temple, and this feather of the angel Gabriel, whereof I have told you, and one of the patterns of San Gerardo de Villamagna, which not long ago I gave at Florence to Gerardo de Monsi, who holds him in prodigious veneration. He also gave me some of the coals with which the most blessed martyr St. Lawrence was roasted, all which things I devoutly brought thence, and have them all safe. True it is, that my superior hath not hitherto permitted me to show them, until he should be certified that they are genuine. However, now that this is avouched, by certain miracles wrought by them, of which we have tidings by letter from the patriarch, he has given me leave to show them. But, fearing to trust them to another, I always carry them with me, and, to tell you the truth, I carry the feather of the angel Gabriel, lest it should get spoiled in a casket, and the coals with which St. Lawrence was roasted in another casket, which caskets are so like the one to the other, that not seldom I mistake one for the other, which has befallen me on this occasion, for whereas I thought to have brought with me the casket wherein is the feather, I have brought instead that which contains the coals. Nor deem I this a mischance, nay, methinks, tis by the interposition of God, and that he himself put the casket of coals in my hand. For I mind me that the feast of St. Lawrence falls but two days hence. Wherefore God, being minded that by showing you the coals with which he was roasted, I should rekindle in your souls the devotion that you ought to feel towards him, guided my hand not to the feather which I meant to take, but to the blessed coals that were extinguished by the humours that exuded from that most holy body. And so, blessed children, bear your heads, and devoutly draw nigh to see them. But first of all I would have you know that whoso has the sign of the cross made upon him with these coals may live secure for the whole of the ensuing year that fire shall not touch him, that he feel it not. Having so said, the friar, chanting a hymn in praise of St. Lawrence, opened the casket and showed the coals. Whereon the foolish crowd gazed a while in awe and reverent wonder, and then came pressing forward in a mighty throng about Fra Cipolla with offerings beyond their want, each and all praying him to touch them with the coals. Wherefore Fra Cipolla took the coals in his hand, and set about making on their white blouses, and on their doublets, and on the veils of the women, crosses as big as might be, averring the while that whatever the coals might thus lose, would be made good to them again in the casket, as he had often proved. On this wise, to his exceeding great profit, he marked all the folk of Chataldo with the cross, and thanks to his ready wit and resource, had his laugh for those who, by robbing him of the feather, thought to make a laughing stock of him. They, indeed, being among his hearers, and marking his novel expedient, and how voluble he was, and what a long story he made of it, laughed till they thought their jaws would break. And when the congregation was dispersed, they went up to him, and never so merrily told him what they had done, and returned him his feather, which, next year, proved to be no less lucrative to him than that day the coals had been. End of Day 6, the 10th story.